This episode was brought to you by State Farm. Buying a house in 2024 can be something extremely joyful, but also extremely stressful when you think about all the paperwork that you have to file. But like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. That's the phrase that will help you feel good knowing that you have people who care to help you file a claim or find the coverage for the things that you want to protect. After an accident, you may be worried. Who do I call? What do you do next? I drive peacefully knowing that I have people who have my back. In reality, finding good insurance doesn't have to be something that is complicated to you. State Farm has options to fit your unique needs, which means you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, or reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hola, I'm Claudia Romo Edelman. And I'm Cynthia Kleinbaum-Milner. Welcome to the podcast A La Latina, the playbook to succeed being your authentic self. Today, we have a special guest, Ileana Musa. She's the head of international banking and lending at Morgan Stanley. In this episode, you will learn three things. First of all, how Ileana teaches us how to get comfortable talking about money as a way to pave the way to financial independence. Number two, how leaning on your Latinidad can make you a master negotiator and influencer. And number three, don't be afraid of putting yourself in a position of power as a way to succeed. This and more in this episode of A La Latina. A La Latina is proudly presented by Money Lion. Join the millions of Americans just like you who use Money Lion to help reach their American dream. Hola, welcome to the podcast A La Latina, the playbook to succeed being your authentic self. Today, an incredible guest, Ileana Musa. Ileana is the managing director, head of international banking and lending at Morgan Stanley. She sits on the Girl Scouts National Board on the Corporate Advisory Board of the Association of Latino Professionals for America, on the Florida International University Honors College and the Cuban Heritage Collection of the University of Miami. She has also been recognized by multiple publications, including the list of top 50 most powerful Latinas in the U.S. Welcome, Ileana Musa. Great to be here, Claudia. Nice to be here, Cynthia. I'm super excited about today's conversation. We are really excited to get deeper into your life, your career, the tips and tricks that you have so that Latinas can succeed in the corporate environment, being their authentic self. And I would like to start with your journey. How did you start being the incredible trailblazer that you are in the financial world? Um, Who was an influence? I've heard stories about your dad being such an influence on your life. So tell us about it. Sure. Well, my parents were an incredible influence um, early in life. For We had two different paths that eventually converged. Um, I was born in Cuba, and my parents made the difficult decisions to for my mom to go ahead, and we left uh, to Spain, ended up in the U.S. I was about three years old, and my father stayed behind, and the idea was that we would all get reunited. Um, unfortunately, my father um, ended up serving a prison term. Uh, he was a political prisoner, and I didn't get to reconnect with him until I was 17. 
And so really that those first 17 years of my life were shaped by my mother. I grew up with a single mother of three children, getting to a country, not knowing a language, not having anybody else from her family, and starting over. So the first lesson, and I remember at a very young age, was, you know, resiliency and this whole notion of having to pull yourself back up and start over. Um, and But doing it in a way that you innovate and you create. So I, um, I'm an optimist because I saw my mother of three plowed through, have multiple jobs, and yet she was extremely creative and very innovative. And that stuck with me, and it carries through in everything that I do today. And so the I always say my childhood was um, uh, a lesson in R&R. Not relax. Not, <laughs> not, not rest and recovery. Not rest and recovery. Not rest and recovery. Risk-taking and resilience. Okay, that that's oh, um, those wow. are the big themes in terms of my childhood because um, seeing this incredible woman um, that I lost two and a half years ago, go at it over and over again, ask and not hesitate to ask, taught me at a very young age that it's important to understand your self-worth and to go for it. And so, you know, her favorite phrase was, el no ya lo tienes. El no ya lo tienes. El no ya lo tienes. So whenever I would talk to her about, you know, mom, I'm thinking about doing X, Y, or Z, she'd say, el no ya lo tienes. Mm -hmm. Go for it. Lean in and do it. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. And so practicing that over and over again, hearing the rejection, but not using it as a deterrence Mm -hmm. to go back at it and try it again until you get to the right outcome or a different outcome because sometimes these paths take you on a winding road to a better outcome. And so all of those experiences shaped me. And then when I was in high school, I met my father. And so then what happened is my father showed up at high school. I was in cheerleading practice. And the principal came running over and said, Musas, oh your, your father's here to see you. And so that was the moment um, that I walked out and I saw my father for the first time. Because when I loved Cuba, I was very, very young. Mm-hmm. And so we started a relationship. He had, again, I mean, over a decade in prison, finally gets out, finally starts over in a new country, starts his business. He was an entrepreneur at heart. And so we started this new relationship. My, you know, I spent many days, weeks, months, years getting to know him. And so at a very, um, very early in that process, he was very interested in our education. Both of my parents were avid learners, self-taught, and... Um, he started asking a lot of questions about college and where was I going to study. And I was thinking about being a dancer at the time. I had been dancing for, for many years. I was very creative. You and still then, have the body of a dancer. <laughs> let's just say that. Yes. And so he, um, he convinced me. He said, why don't you study business, finance, and minor in dance? And he leaned in and leaned in. And finally, um, I had a knack for numbers. I loved it. And then I was observing him, you know, starting a business from the ground up. And um, we would sit and talk about his business. It was a construction business. But I learned a great deal just hearing the stories um, and observing him in action. I always say, you know, having role models that we can see in action. I saw my mother in action. I saw my father in action. And then the conversations really influenced me. And so I decided to pursue a degree in finance at the University of Miami. And then from there, he said, keep it going. Go get your master's. Don't, um, Don't deviate. Don't pause. Just go for it. And so he was incredibly supportive and helpful. And so I then obtained my master's in business administration with a concentration in finance at uh, Florida International University. And so when I finished my studies, I had been working full time. I worked full time while I was going to school. And so 
I was working in real estate sales, and that's, you know, everything I'd learned from my mom about sales, because my mother was a salesperson at heart, really um, served me well. And so I started to build a clientele in real estate, but then um, my husband was in the arts. Um, And so we ended up going to Russia for a little bit. His last semester was in Russia. And on the way back, we decided to stay in New York for a little bit. What I thought would be a year, it ended up being 14 years. And so that's when I entered the world of finance. That's, that was sort of the chapter on Wall Street. So when I arrived in New York, I didn't have a network. I didn't have a Rolodex. I had um, a resume that showed experience in real estate, an advanced degree, and a job in Moscow. <laughs> I had a gym teaching aerobics because I was a fitness instructor at the time. And so that was, again, reset, restart. Uh, but I managed to find a recruiter that put me in contact with the head of the business at Bank Boston. I borrowed a suit from my first interview. I, um, I went in. I, I just took the tool set that I knew I had, which was confidence, work ethic, and the ability to push through. And that's what I sold. Um, and so that door opened, I landed my first job, I learned the business, and that got me on my way. And then those 14 years that I was in New York, I worked for the major firms, the major banks, leading up to my current role at Morgan Stanley. But it was through a series of things that I knew I wanted to do to be able to get to the next level. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, we've heard from, from others that you have this superpower of influencing and negotiating. Can you talk to us about, like, how does that superpower come to life? And the more you can give us tips, like, Mm -hmm. to do action items for our playbook, the better for our audience. Sure. Um, So I would say both of those are skills you hone, you develop. They're not innate skills that you're naturally born with. And so um, there's a couple of things. First of all, it's um, your track record matters. So before you, you start to influence or think about how you're going to change, mm-hmm. which are really the roles that I assumed over time were I, was a, I became a change agent, I became a disruptor. You come in, you have a vision, and you're trying to get others to see that vision and you're driving change. But before you do that, you have to make your mark. You have to build your brand. And so I made it a point early in my career to build a track record. Even though I had aspirations, even though I shared with my bosses all the many things I wanted to do, I delivered results. And so I tell Latinas um, and women and employees overall, you need to make your mark. And so you need to deliver results and build a track record first and foremost, because that's what's going to help you get noticed. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so as you make your mark, that means that you're going to use your work ethic. That's certainly what I did. I raised my hand a lot. That's the other thing I would say. And I said yes a lot. Do we have anybody that's willing to do X, Y, or Z? Without having all the answers, without knowing that I was 100% prepared, I would say yes. And then I would go and figure out how I was going to make it work. <laughs> and, I, and sometimes we second-guess ourselves. Totally. And we, and we first talk about all the different reasons for why something may not work or why may me not be prepared. And then we'll say, let me go think about it. I turn that on its head and say yes And then I go away and I said, what did I just say? Yeah. <laughs> Let me figure out how this is all going to work. And then I go back at it. So having heard of that and having, I hope that for our audience is clear that, you know, like there's some constants that we're hearing in this yeah. podcast of trailblazer women that you need to learn and you need to take. What are, how did you make it to go where you are? What were pivotal moments where you were like, 
I remember that, you know, like between having this promotion, mm -hmm. that promotion, I had to do something. And how did you manage actually to get where you are? Um, telling us a little bit of the of the maneuvering and the pivotal model moments <laughs> that you had. Um, so that winding road is is to be expected. And so you need to embrace it. Um, I remember moments early on in my career. First of all, let's just talk about Latinidad. Mm -hmm. My language, my bilingual skills gave me an immense advantage on Wall Street. When I got to the second bank that I worked, everybody that competed for that role to lead a team, and it was my first time leading, had 10, 15 years on me in terms of experience. Mm -hmm. And yet I had the language. And so again, when I went in to position myself, I was thinking bigger. I was sharing a vision. I call it visionary leadership, which mm -hmm. is I'm not here to just do the task at hand. I'm painting a picture for what I can do for you longer term as a leader, as a Latina. I'm going to use my language skills. I'm going to help you build marketing content. And so I'm positioning um, greater value beyond what the job description shows. And so creating a vision whether you're having a conversation about the role, whether you're talking with your manager, whether you're talking with your partner in terms of what is the big dream, right? What's the big dream? And so being able to talk about that, even if you have doubts about whether that's real or if it's ever going to materialize, is very powerful. I believe in the power of words. I believe in the power of thoughts and in the power of affirmation. And so reminding ourselves and putting those ideas out into the universe and articulating it yeah. immediately gives you power because you are starting to say what will be. And when you say it enough times, you actually start to believe it. Yeah. <laughs> and then it translates into your actions and that portrays in the way you present in a meeting, the way you negotiate and the way you carry yourself. And so all of those practices, I didn't, look, I talk a lot about when I started early in my career, my knees would buckle. I would hyperventilate when I had to present. So I can't imagine that. Well, I, I say it a lot of times because many women come up to me and say, how did you do it? And I say, it's a home skill. It's something that all of us can do, whether it's a negotiation, being able to present, articulating your vision or going for the bigger job, the bigger opportunity. So some of the defining moments, glad that you asked me about. You work on Wall Street, you work for large firms, there's a lot of mergers, many um, acquisitions, and so there's constant change. Your ability to navigate and embrace the change is critical. So the big role that you finally obtained and you're leading a large market all of a sudden comes to an end because there's a restructuring. And then you have a decision to make. Do you start to reflect on why me? Do you start to use that as an opportunity to learn from it? And I call failing forward. How do you fail forward? Which is take that experience, build more muscle, and go back at it in a bigger way. And so that's what I did. The first time that happened to me, about six years in, I took a step back. They offered me a lot of different roles. And I said, I'm taking a break. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reflect and look at where I've been and where I want to go. I worked with an executive coach. And I spanned the marketplace, and now I could work with recruiters. And so I took it. I took the time to focus on me. And I think that's the other thing we need to do. We need to focus yeah. on ourselves, and we need to create margins to do that. And the biggest asset for us is time, because we don't have enough time. Because we work at work, and we work outside of work, 
and we take care of everyone and uh, we give of ourselves and we stretch ourselves. And sometimes without time, you can't develop yourself. Totally. And we don't focus ourselves. So you've been talking and I've been, you know, since I got into the Hispanic market, I've heard your name and you know, like again and again, I've heard your mantra of taking risks, ask, and using your influence. How is that influencing even your life today? Who taught you that? How would you have used that? You know, like, <laughs> I don't know, um, 20 years so, ago. So, yeah, so the influence comes in, again, at a very young age, in spite of everything that we had to go through, right, um, at a very early age to just get by. There was a philosophy of abundance in my home. Amazing. Talk about that a lot. And so my mother was very giving. Um, and so she always made it a point to tell us that there was always room to give to others. There was always room to pay it forward. So, you know, glass half full, I always say, when you get to travel, when you get these experiences and you get to give back to others that, that, that are in need, it keeps you grounded. And so I've always been very grounded in the world that I get to operate because of these experiences. And so those experiences is what's allowed me to say, I can drive, I can use my power for good. And I want to use the talent to create broader impact in the community where I live, in the women that are coming behind me that could get the shortcuts so they can do it in half the time. I always say, my, my, what's your, what do you want your legacy to be? I want the next generation to do it in half the time. And oh, so, you know, that's what it is. And in and, and everything that we do, there's an opportunity to give back, to pay it forward and to have a broader impact. And that's the way I, I, I see the world when I operate. And, I, and it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be able to do it. At Money Lion, we think money can buy happiness and that you deserve access to the same tricks, tips and tools as the 1%. We want you to achieve your version of the American dream. So we built an app that can help you get there. From banking with no hidden fees to cash advances with zero interest or credit checks, MoneyLion offers a suite of premium financial products that can help you make your everyday money decisions a whole lot easier. We even curated a network of content creators who can educate you how to invest, borrow, save, and earn like the pros. Ready to take control of your money life? Join the millions of Americans who use MoneyLion every day by downloading the app today. Are you ready to turn your best ideas into a thriving online business? Introducing Shopify, your no excuses business partner. You might not realize, but our podcast, More Than Mammies, it's a business. And we started it, of course, to talk about maternity, not to become an e-commerce expert. So yeah, we needed some help selling our merch and getting our start up and running. Another sale. Shopify is a commerce platform revolutionizing millions of businesses worldwide. No matter if you are a garage entrepreneur or a big business, Shopify is the only tool you need to start and grow your business without the struggle. With Shopify single dashboard, you can manage orders, shipping, and payments from anywhere, giving you the insights you need wherever you are. Sign up for $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash sonoro or lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash sonoro to take your business to the next level today. Shopify.com slash sonoro. Now let's talk about wealth and why do you think wealth is such an important element? How are you going for financial inclusion? How does that lead to equity and how are you using your power for, 
you know, like within Morgan Stanley and everywhere that you touch, you know, like I've met so many people that pretty much I'm like, oh, so you work for Ileana Musa? No, no, I work in a different bank. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> Your footprint <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yes, it gets, to, it gets to influence, but it starts with the conversation, which is as Latinas and women, we need to have these conversations about wealth. And traditionally, we shy away from it because we shy away from things we're not comfortable with. And so, so you're saying money is not comfortable. Yeah. It's not comfortable. You know, yeah. when we think about negotiating, um, one of the big elements there is what is your relationship with money? Because as Latinos, we didn't grow up, and certainly in my household, talking about money at the dinner table. We didn't talk about wealth. It wasn't a topic that was embraced. Uh, we were talking about other things. And when I, when I speak to other Latinas, I think it's, there's very strong cultural norms that don't always serve us well. There's incredible values that give us strength. And then we have to be aware of those blind spots. And I think this is one of those blind spots, which is we need to reflect and say, what is my financial philosophy? Because that financial philosophy will impact, do we believe that we have a choice to negotiate? Because more often than not, I remember when I got my first job in New York City, I was... I was doing that, the, the Fred Astaire down Park Avenue, because so I was so excited that I had steady income, right? And I had a good salary. What I thought was a great salary, it was a good salary. Mm -hmm. Never it occurred to me to negotiate that first job in New York City. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes we're so grateful, there's a lot of gratitude. And because we work so hard, that it's a blind spot for us to not lean in and go for more. Yeah. So first thing I would say, it's a choice. Negotiating is a choice, and we need to make that choice. And so I've become very self-aware over the decades that you need to do it when it doesn't matter so that you're prepared when it does. And that means you're negotiating at home for time. Yeah. And the way you share the housework, the, the kids, the family, because sometimes it's a sandwich generation and we are compressed to do more for many more people than just the nuclear family. All of that impacts the way we think about finances. And so the first thing is to reflect on what's our relationship. And then number two, are we on a path to become financially independent? Financial independence is different to financial stability. I see those how, as two How do you things. define financial independence? Financial independence, um, I define as being able to create a path for yourself where you are building wealth, not just for the near term, for the long term, for the next generation, and to have a financial legacy. So now we want to talk about the research that you shared with us from the Center for Talent Innovation. Mm -hmm. You spoke about uh, the results that say that women want five things. Mm -hmm. They want to flourish, to excel, to have meaning and purpose, to empower others while being empowered and to earn well. And when you think about these five things, it's almost like the only way to achieve them is if you are in a position of power. Like if you don't get to a position of power, you can achieve some of these, but the five only come if you get to a position of power. So how can we get more Latinas <laughs> into a position of power? That was the aha moment of the study. It, it definitely was for me. And the, the study is um, over five years old, but it's still in my mind very, very relevant. So a couple of things that came out. Number one, the women want the same thing as the men. So that was surprising of the study because they thought that potentially those dimensions that were going to be important to women were going to be different to the men. They were not. Mm -hmm. Number two, 
the perception by many women who answered the survey that by going for positions of power, you obviously, you, you actually have less choice and less optionality in terms of doing the things you like and want. And it's the opposite. Yeah. So what the study calls out is by going for those positions of power, not throwing in the towel, staying the course, you're able to achieve those things that matter most to you. And in turn, you end up having more flexibility for the things that matter to you. And so it's the opposite of what I think most assumed reading the study certainly was for me. Um, and it's it's universal. I would say these are universal aspirations that sometimes we assume, based on gender, we want different things, but we don't. We um, we want a lot of the same things. I just feel compelled to tell you a personal story so that I, I hope that we as mothers can talk to our children and can actually feel that sense of freedom, in a way, to be able to recognize that we do what we can with the tools that we want, that we have in the moment where we are. And it's impossible for us to be able to like be free of guilt of, you know, like working and mothers and so on. But I hope that, um, you know, like by the time that everybody listens to the podcast, they can go to their children and go like money, 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 power, 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 power yes. pride, 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 Latina, Latina, Latina. And so that we can actually embrace it all. So my daughter was six, um, was turning six years old. Now she's 18. And so she, um, I used to work for the UN refugee agency and, um, And I was like, Tamara, Tamara, Tamarita, I love you so, so much. What would you like to have for your birthday? And she was like, ah, I would like to be a refugee. And I was like, Ay, mommy, why do you say those things? Why would you like to be a refugee? And she was like, I'd like to have you for a full week. And it broke my heart so hard but because I used to travel. I mean, like my specialty was war and disaster zone. So even to get to the places where I was working, it took me a week. So I was gone for 20 days in a row and I was like, oh my God. And every time I came back from Darfur or from Somalia, I used to tell so many stories about these incredible people that were the refugees that were looking for asylum, that were looking, you know, like with dignity that didn't have anything. And nevertheless, they, they went forward and starting again and so on. And she had like full admiration for them, but she was also saying, I want to be like them so that you see me so that you spend time with me. And so it really shook me. And I started thinking like, should I quit? And then I didn't. And then I kept on going to Africa for 20 days. And then when she was 15, I asked her, like, would you ever forgive me for having left you so long? And she was like, what do you mean left me? And I'm like, oh, you don't remember. <laughs> yeah. So at the end of the day, we have to be able to be, uh, to, to be able to do the things that we need to do, that we want to do, and do it in a way that, you know, like it's, it's giving us permission to try as hard as we think that our parents would be proud of us, understanding that our kids are going to be the result of, for example, the way that you are of your mom or your dad, isn't it? That's, that's, that's legacy right there. Yeah. You know, that's what, um, that's what the next generation is left with, which is those experiences, those conversations, those memories that then carry you forward and allow you to um, continue in those footsteps, get better. Because I always say the next generation, um, you know, in these tables, the next generation can have conversations about how much easier it was. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's, say, let's, yeah. let's get into can the I, Latina. I just, I want to say something about money. 
because yes. I work in also a financial services company at Money I, Lion. At, at Money Lion. <laughs> mm-hmm. And there's this, uh, this phrase that we all use of money can't buy happiness, right? And the way we see it is it can't buy happiness, but can you be happy if you're worried about money all the time? And the reality of most Americans is that they're worried about money. Even people making hundreds of thousands of dollars, they're worried about money. And the other data point is that women manage most of the money, right? They, they purchasing, it's not just the grocery bills that women manage. It's big purchasing decisions that are managed yes. by money, by uh, women. And Latinas, so, and even Latinas, more so. Yes. Exactly. So why is it that it's so hard to have a conversation about how much money I want to make? How much money do you make? How how do I ask for a, for a, for a raise? It starts with the conversation because usually you're sitting around these tables and I don't know, we can talk about shoes or purses or, you know, when you start talking about real estate and you start talking about net worth and you start talking about investment ideas, I mean, this is what it's about. And you don't need to, what I tell a lot of my friends that are not in the business that I'm in, you don't need to be an expert, right? Um, Because the goal around Latinas and wealth is everybody, it's like your driver's license, everybody needs to be equipped to do it. You don't need to be in the industry. You don't need to have a degree in finance to be able to do it. And we have to get comfortable, and then we have to embrace it, knowing that um, it starts with a conversation. Yeah. And let's face it, the reality is that we're talking with trailblazers, but being a Latina is a superpower. We love it. We're focusing on it. But it has been, you know, like an obstacle to the careers of many. It has been a point of rejection. It has been, you know, like the perception of Latinas is absolutely stereotyped. We're underrepresented. We're underpaid. We're undervalued. How have you experienced your Latinidad? Have you had to dial down? Like, talk more about like your like your your identity as a Latina mm-hmm. in your career. Is it you know because of that? Despite of that, where were the moments you were talking before about like how to think about it almost like as a suitcase that yeah. you to you were, you were succeeding being Latina before it was cool to be Latina in yes. finance in New York yes. not twenty years ago. Yes, and again. You know, my my childhood memories were uh, we were all in being Latinos at home. You know, some families got to the U.S. and their goal was to assimilate. Totally. Mm -hmm. In my home, (laughs) it was all about embracing your Latinidad. And I remember in Miami, we used to drive after school. My mother, when she used to pick us up, there were some signs that would say English only. And she would get very upset and she would say Spanish only. And we'd get home and it was Spanish only from the moment you walked in. And it was like that throughout my entire, and she, it didn't matter who said what. We were true to our culture, loved the language, spoke the language, and embraced everything about our Latinidad. So when I got to New York, I'm not thinking it's not going to be welcome. <laughs> like, <laughs> you yeah. know? But then I started to, to learn that we needed to, um, that I needed to adapt. And it wasn't, I would say, anybody that wasn't on Wall Street, not just Latinas, have to learn how to adapt. When you come into a new environment, you need to learn how to adapt. And so the question is, how do you leverage that superpower? We're natural collaborators. I would say one of the things that have given me, has given me uh, one of my biggest advantages is the ability to bring others to the table. 
I think horizontally all the time. So that helps, you know, when you work in a matrix organization in a large corporation to be able to say, we're doing on this, but shouldn't we bring in somebody from technology and shouldn't we bring in somebody from this? And I met this person. And so your ability to collaborate and build relationships helps you in bringing others to that table. And when you bring others to that table, you can think bigger. You can get others on board with that big idea, Mm -hmm. your vision, and um, you get less resistance because you're you're engaging people early on. And early adoption is what it's about. Yeah. When you have a big idea or an idea that's gonna disrupt, you need adopters. You need people that are gonna see it, who are gonna wanna rally with you and be your ambassadors. And so being able to bring others to the table, and we do that, we, we're natural collaborators. We enjoy working in groups. And so that's one thing that really helped me. Number two, communications. I had a manager that came up to me one time and said, you need to be more succinct. You're giving me every last detail of every idea that you have and you're losing people. I'm forever grateful to her. She didn't sugarcoat it. She, I, it was a blind spot for me. Well, I went off and I started to hone that skill. What are the headlines? Start with the big idea and then get into more detail. Because we, I remember when my daughter, my daughter was delayed in speaking I remember when I went to her pediatrician, she said, your problem is you and your husband just talk and talk and talk, and you need to just focus on the one word. Focus on the one word, let her master it, and then go back and have the conversation. And so that's what I've learned in in my roles as well. Start with the big ideas, give the outline no more than two to three things, and then get into the color and you start to give a little bit more into each of those three big ideas. And so it was the opposite of what I was doing. I was giving a lot of detail. And then my conclusion was a big idea. You got to turn that There's, around. Um, are there any things that you can think of that, any characteristics that you can think of that corporate America sees as a negative characteristic that we should flip the script? It can be familismo. It can be having an accent. Anything that, that comes to mind? So a couple of thoughts there. Um, the first is the, our mindset. We're entrepreneurs. I mean, I, I saw it with both of my parents. I think naturally, even if you work in a corporation, you don't own your own business, having an entrepreneurial mindset really helps. So because then you are an innovator, you're thinking outside the box, you're challenging the status quo, and that's where innovation happens. Because you're able to bring other folks to the table, and many of those individuals are different to you because that's very powerful, that's where the big ideas come in. It's not people that think like us. I would say we need to build networks that don't look like us. Mm -hmm. We naturally collaborate Everybody does with people that think like us, sound like us, look like us, because in, immediately there's a connection. But it's when you create a network with individuals that think differently, that look differently, that grew up on Wall Street, that went to an Ivy League school. These are all the people that I have wanted to connect with because I learned from them, because they've had a very different upbringing, because they bring something different to the table, and because we all win when we go at it together. So one of the things that we, because we're natural collaborators, we can lean in. And I I think sometimes when, I always say you shy away from what you don't know. And if someone's not comfortable working with a Latino because they never have, you're gonna have a choice to make. Who's gonna lean in first? I always lean in. I always lean in and reach. I call it the give and the get. So I always wanna give before I'm gonna expect anything in return. And that's always worked really, really well for me because again, once you lean in, 
you're going to find something in common. And once you find something in common, it's a slam dunk. You're on your way because that person immediately is going to have a connection with you and then they're going to be open to hear the ideas and you're going to collaborate. And so I would say that's one area that um, could, be, could be very helpful for us. Love it. I love that. Okay, so look... This is coming to an end. Mm -hmm. This has been a wonderful, um, a wonderful time. I'd like to know who do you think we should be, you know, like looking at or interviewing to hear from how do they make it, whether they have claimed their Latinidad before or not. Yes, and it's um, it's so important to to bring more of those voices to the table. So congratulations to both of you because it's incredible what you're doing in creating this, this platform, this setting to give greater access because this is about access, right? Amplify the voice of the women that are doing it in a very transparent way because uh, we need to also talk about the struggles, right? Um, so that people can, can learn from it and continue to um, push themselves forward. You know, you talked at the beginning about the most powerful Latina list. I like that list. It's the first list that's ever been created, um, specifically focused on high-performing Latinas that have made their mark in the industry where they work. And um, if you scan that roster, you're on it. <laughs> um, it's incredible the level of insights that you gain. And so I, I always refer to that list um, in terms of, I consider that a network of mine, one of my networks in terms of different women at different stages of their career, accomplishing very different milestones um, in their journeys and amplifying those voices in this platform would be incredible. And some of those are my colleagues at Morgan Stanley. And so I'm excited to also bring them to this table with both of you. Okay. We Looking forward. <laughs> oh my God, this was amazing. I got so many insights. I think I'm going to be listening to this podcast over and over again. Thank you. Ileana Musa. And this was a podcast. A la Latina. This podcast was proudly produced by Malka Media. The struggle is real, and we know that firsthand being daughters of hardworking immigrants. That's why on La Lucha is Real podcast, hablamos un poquito de todo. Somos Angel and Edith, long-term best friends who have authentic conversations, giving us space to be vulnerable without judgment because La Lucha is real. We want all of our amigos who listen to us to feel a part of the conversation and feel empowered to become a better version of themselves. A veces bromeando y a veces llorando, pero siempre mejorando. La Lucha is Real podcast is available wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey there, everyone. I'm Sarah Weldon, CEO of Trufinco, a finance company dedicated to helping both budding and established small businesses. I'm thrilled to be hosting Business Perfect Formula, a podcast designed to demystify business funding, real estate investing, and business credit. My goal is to simplify the complexities of alternative lending, showing you that navigating the financial landscape can be straightforward and stress-free. Business Perfect Formula is available wherever you listen to podcasts.